Welcome to Slammed, a Boston Celtics podcast brought to you by Odyssey. I'm Megan Adelini from WEI, joined by Esteban Bustios from GBH and Justin Turpin, our producer from Odyssey and WEI. And guys, we are coming to you after the first overtime win of this Celtics season. The first overtime win. Wow. Because they played overtime, but they didn't win. And so the streak continues. It's 15 and zero at home. I can see you calculating that, Esteban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's surprising, right? Because it yeah. feels a little late for this point in the year. Yeah. What was the what was the other overtime game? I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble remembering. It may have either been uh, Knicks or Sixers. I just know this is the first win. Yeah. You know, uh, couldn't have couldn't have come in, in odder circumstances. Right. So I look, we're, we're going to go over the week because there was the second half of this West Coast road trip that I think carries a lot of weight for this team. But last night's game, I had a sneaking suspicion going into it. It felt like an impossible trap game trap because game, yeah. it's not like the Pistons don't have talent and we will get to them. It's not like they are totally devoid of talent but they're certainly making their own history on their side. And it felt like, hey, okay, if they're ever going to make a statement about them not being the biggest losers in the league, it's going to be yeah. against this team breaking their 15-0 streak at home. And they came close. They absolutely came close. And if you look at the numbers, I think you guys would agree with me that by all accounts, just even watching the game, looking at the box score, looking at the numbers, the Celtics should have lost this game and somehow they eked it out Esteban yeah I mean uh I was on a plane when this was happening so I got off and looked at my phone immediately I was like oh oh um and then looking at the, the numbers uh you know 10 missed threes by Boston in the second quarter um only 28.2 percent on the night and I think Justin you you said this last week when they shoot uh I think it was under 30 percent their record is yeah under 30 they usually don't win if they shoot under 30. And I think that's most teams, but especially with this team. Yeah. Yeah. A team that, that loves to, to run and get, get the open shots from beyond the arc. Um, so it, I think it's something though that I've noticed. And I think even Jokic, Nikola Jokic had a, a quote earlier this season about that, you know, good teams win games that they shouldn't and bad teams lose games that they should win. Um, and the Celtics would show like, Hey, you know, it, as you said, coming in, which should have been a trap game, you know, you're coming back home after a long road trip, holidays, uh, a, lot, a lot of stuff going on, uh, overcame a 21 point deficit. That's a, you know, it, it's a weird thing to say. It's a good win, but it 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 is a good win. Yeah, I think there were a lot of things counting against you. The things that, that uh, if you're the Celtics, the things you mentioned, uh, no Jalen Brown. Right. The fact that the Pistons really out-hustled you for much of the game, I think. Uh, they out-rebounded you 57-43, to 43, and that's not something that improved in the second half. You know, uh, you listen to Kristaps Porzingis after the game, you listen to guys after the game talk about they all supposedly went into the locker room and didn't even have to exchange words. They just kind of looked at each other and yeah. were like, we know what we had to do here, but what they didn't do is go out and get back on the boards in the second half because I don't know how you guys felt, but... Some of the possessions, there was one particular possession, and I don't want to pick on him because he's been good as of late, but Peyton Pritchard, you know, missing back-to-back -back threes, and it just clanks off and clanks off. 
And it's like, well, you're lucky that you get those second chance opportunities, but I would have liked a different dimension than it going straight back to where it came from. Um, I thought that some of these, I I don't want to pick on the three point shooting because it's certainly been a point of success overall as of late and on that West coast road trip. But I will say if you're going to play that way, um, I would like to see them have different dimensions of attacking it, which we didn't really see, I thought, until overtime. A lot of it was, it, they, it took them a while, it seemed like, to bring the game back down to their pace, if that makes sense. Yeah, it wasn't really yeah. until they started yeah. giving Porzingis in the middle that it, it got going. And that's when exactly. they kind of went to the low post, especially in the third quarter. It really, they were kind of living and dying by the three, and they finally adjusted in the second half, and that's led to the run. Yeah, and I, again, I think I, I, I said this last week too, but like you know, Porzingis in that high post is uh, there's like I don't there, there are very few people in the league who can guard it, um, and so you know to to get when you get him the ball down low, uh, he can both contract contract the court and then stretch it out when he goes out for the for the three. Um, I think you know they they as I mentioned before. If you have Porzingis and then at, at least one of the Jays, they're in a good spot, and I think that's that's what it showed. Even in an ugly game, uh, and you know, to, to your point, Megan, you know, Pritchard only one of six uh, on three last night. That's probably not going to be consistent. He's a he's a better shooter. Uh, so on a night when there was a lot of funky things, just having those key pieces uh, was crucial. It was rough for the bench overall, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think pretty much every guy coming off the bench was a minus in last night uh, when they were on the floor, which is unfortunate. Uh, you, you just want to have at least somebody be a spark. But again, you're essentially having a bench player start in Al Horford, even though he wouldn't be a bench player in most seasons. Right. Um, so it's a little bit of a technicality. I do want to get to this kind of overall point that I felt like coming off of this very good week for the Celtics. And uh, just listening to Jason Tatum after the game, he very much echoed something that we heard from Joe Missoula. And it was about a message that they communicated to each other at shoot around prior to the Detroit game. So let's hear from Tatum. We talked about it in shoot around today. The games always don't go as you expect them to, right? Uh, obviously, everybody knows the elephant in the room, their record. But they're a talented team. Like, they're a talented they're more talented than some of the other teams on the bottom end of the standings, um, especially individually. They got some really talented guys over there. They're well coached. Um, I haven't watched every game they play, but you know the games I have watched, they've they've been in them for most of it. They play hard, they make shots, um, and they've lost a lot of games. You know that were kind of close. I haven't seen many games where they got blown out. Uh, so you know you might think it w- would be easy and. They come and punch you in the mouth and you got to regroup. So I have been a little bit skeptical with Joe Missoula's messaging with this team because there were times last season when I felt like we certainly didn't see it getting through or at least translating to the play on the court. And the message, as you heard from Tatum there, and if you listen to Joe Missoula, was basically you can't go into this game thinking that it's easy and having this thing that Joe Missoula, this mentality that he really hammers home, which is, you know, be 
emotionally invested in these games and be extremely competitive every night. And I kind of feel like sometimes that's bull crap because I don't think it's human nature to be able to sustain that unless you're you kind of have a screw loose, like a couple of the greatest athletes of all time, yeah. you know, or at least the most intense, like uh, Garnett, and maybe that permeates throughout your locker room. Uh, but I think if you look at this road trip and especially if you look at the way that Porzingis plays, what I would say is different about this team, what we're seeing recently is a level of control that we haven't seen with this team before, or at least iterations of these Celtics around the Jays, where it's never been a question about the talent that they have, but being able to control the effort to focus the game plan to come off of a West Coast road trip and not go to, hey, Jalen's out tonight and... You know, we're exhausted. We already made our statement against the good teams on the West Coast. But to continue seemingly making a point of protecting that home court streak or whatever matters to them and not essentially not taking the night off. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know about y'all, but I've, you know, uh, been watching this Celtics, this specific iteration of the Celtics team for a while. And I do feel like in past years, this is a game they would have lost uh, yeah. for all the reasons that, that we mentioned before. Um, so I, th does this win, does it, and, and this is a part of the topic we want to get into, does it help solidify, like, this is one of the better teams in the league or, or is it like, oh, let's take, let's take a step back. Maybe it's, uh, we need to reevaluate. Oh, you mean because of how competitive it got with Detroit? Right, right. So I think, yeah, now you're starting to sound like my afternoon drive co-host. Because <laughs> <laughs> there is, a, there is something very much to that of could you look at this and say oh gross they went to overtime with right. Detroit who's got 28 losses you know this is ridiculous um but at the I go back to what you just said which is I I do feel like last year this this uh, whatever the group last year in this scenario would have taken the night off or right. they would have folded in the fourth or they would have folded in overtime because that's typically what we saw when they would play lesser opponents, especially in the playoffs. When you right. saw them play the hardened Sixers and when you saw them play Miami, it was it was like they were looking for any opportunity, you know, to bow out. And they they absolutely didn't do that last night. But you brought up the idea of them being, let's just say, best in the league. Um our guy Perk was on ESPN earlier this week. I believe it was following the Lakers win on Christmas Day. Here's a statement that he made. Starting off with the Celtics Lakers game, right? Because that was the marquee matchup on the for us Christmas Day, and the Celtics proved to me and the rest of the world that they're the best team in the NBA. Oh, I'm not just, you don't say. And, yes, and I'm not just basing this off. Or what they did yesterday to the Lakers. I'm talking about the clean sweep that they had mm -hmm. for us in LA. They beat the brakes off the Clippers and then to come in and do what they did. Look, when I look at that starting five with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Derek White, Drew what? Holiday, and Pazegas, that is so electrified. And I know all the people, the naysayers are saying they shoot too many threes. I was one of them, but I'm a believer in their three point shooting. And I'm a believer in a perimeter defense. This team should be favored to win it all. So at this point, I would say that, yes, absolutely, the Celtics are the best team in the league. When mm. you look at their starting five, 
I don't see how you stack that up against anybody else's starting five and say that they're better. To be honest, I still have reservations about uh, the consistency of their very, very, very top end talent. And I'm talking about Jason Tatum. It's probably not a fair comparison, but if you take Tatum and you stack him up on his best, let's say in, in, in a best um, series against a Jokic, even sometimes against an Embiid, if Embiid is healthy against a Giannis, it's still, you know, it's kind of like 50, 50 to me with him and those guys. And that's not to knock Tatum or say that he's not making progress, but I feel like I would I'm still hesitant to say that they're going to be the overall favorite in the postseason because we haven't really seen him go to that all superstar status as some of those other guys have. Yeah, and it's everything is is relative to me in the regular season, especially with like is Porzingis going to be healthy for potential sixteen, you know victories needed to to get you to a finals uh you know uh, championship um everything looks you can look really great in the the regular season and then you know you'll run into miami who's suddenly like all right let's turn everything on uh right now and then we'll shoot like 45 percent for the entire playoffs um so uh I, but as of right now i i sort of agree and i think you know going back to like tatum and even missoula's comments when you're talking about a bad team, everything is relative in the NBA. Uh, right. There's no – everybody there is good. Everybody who's gotten to the league is – they're there for a reason. And that's uh, why that that's why I push back against anybody who would say, right. you know, this team are actually frauds because they went to overtime with the Pistons. Yeah. yeah because and it's, it's professional basketball. It's yeah. the league. You know, there's going to be – and they won, which is what yeah. – all that really matters in the in the column. Yeah, and and a Pistons team who I you know I don't have the insight into how they're thinking, but I'm sure are desperate or who are angry at uh, at at how this has been, and and you know they hear how people are talking about them. Um, I'm sure part of that is is also em- embarrassing. So yeah, they have every incentive to try to win and not um, have this th- this infamous record uh, hang over them. So I, I but going back to 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 the Celtics. What do y'all think is a realistic sort of expectation or goal for them just heading on throughout the rest of this season now, given that we think this this is possibly the best team in the league right now? So <laughs> this might sound kind of ridiculous. One thing that has jumped out to me about this team, and it, again, it's it's, you know, we're only about a third of the way through the season but they've only had one string of back-to-back losses. And that's a really telling stat to me because it's about how you're reacting to coming off of a bad night. And uh, those losses were not a second part of a back-to-back. It was uh, Minnesota and Philly. I believe they were separated by a night in early November. Um, And, you know, both good teams. So nothing to to really hang your head about, but, I look at something like that and say, could you, is it possible you could keep that for the rest of the year? Could it be something right. where you you can have a bounce back game after all your losses? Because as unrealistic as that might sound, I'm not sure that, you know, when other people are looking at the 2008 Celtics and saying, well, you should go and you should 
come up with more than 66 wins or match the 66 wins or the 67 wins that um, the 86 Celtics had. You know, I, I think something right. like having that as a goal is for how the rest of the season plays out would be a really good lesson about your resilience that you're going to show in the playoffs. And when you have a bad night, how you adjust, even if it's adjusting to a different team during the regular season. Yeah, I think one of the things that we mentioned in our, our preparation, you know, they have the best or they have the easiest remaining strength of schedule uh, in the league right now. There is one tough stretch I see next month. They have they're on the road back to back, Indiana, Indiana. Then they have Minnesota here. Then they're on the road again against Milwaukee. That is like the one stretch that pops out to me, just looking eyeballing it, where it's like there could be maybe some back to back losses there. Um, but everything else to your point, Megan, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, Justin, do you, do you see a stretch at all where this team could, uh, where they could, they could lose back to back again? I was looking at that kind of that Minnesota one as well. That's going to be a really tough one. And so are that Pacers one because they play quick. And, you know, the one time the Celtics did beat them by 51 earlier this year, they were without yeah. one of the best players in the league in Tyrese Halliburton. So I think that's going to be a tough stretch. And that's going to tell a lot about the team, too, when they have to go on the road and play those teams and then come back and they get a team like Minnesota. So that, that's going to be a telling stretch, I think. Yeah. So another thing to look at, just because they're coming off of um, this 15th win at home, is the longest home game winning streaks, which uh, I believe the Warriors hold it in terms of the overall league. They have the longest, they have held the longest home game winning streak. Um, the 86 Celtics, again, they have like all the records of these things. They won 38 straight at home. Um, is that something that matters to you guys? I mean, just winning at home matters. I don't know if it matters to them. I think it matters maybe to like us in terms of narrative. Um, but I, I don't like, again, like it, it's cool if, if you have those records in the regular season. Um, like how, how many home games do you win in the playoffs? Uh, I think, I think that's, that's what everybody, everybody looks forward to. 